are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Good morning and welcome to Hope Church. My name is Chris and I'm so pleased that you've joined in to be together with us this morning. Today we're carrying on our series called Grace and that's by going through uh, the book of Galatians which can be found in the New Testament. The book was written by the Apostle Paul to a number of churches in the area of Galatia and that is kind of modern day Turkey. Paul had started the churches and, and he'd given them the gospel that you can be made right with God through the free gift of his son Jesus. Because of what Jesus did, your sins are paid for. Any shame you feel is taken away and you are honoured, loved, cherished and adored. You are brought into the family of God and all this comes through faith in Jesus and nothing else. It is a work of his undeserved, unearned, unmerited favour. It is a free gift. But you know what? A group called the Judaizers, which means Christians born from a Jewish background, they came to the churches in Galatia and they basically said that Paul has left out the small print. They kind of said, yeah, all the faith stuff is good, but to really be included in the people of God, you also need to follow the Jewish customs and traditions like circumcision, eating kosher food and obeying the law. So that's the kind of backdrop of the book. Paul is writing to defend the gospel of grace. And as a church, we know just how easy it is for Christians in our country to add things to the gospel. By the way we live or the way we treat others, it's easy for Christians to look at other people's lives and say, you need the gospel plus a bunch of other things. Sort out your relationship, your finance, your, your conduct, your language, music taste, film taste, computer use, parenting and on and on. And once you've done all of that, you can be accepted by God. Perhaps you've even experienced something like that from Christians. And this series is here to remind us what it really means to know God and come to him and how that should affect the way we live our lives and treat others. So today we're going to spend the first half studying the passage because it's quite tricky and then I will answer the kind of so what question and the kind of why should I care question, how is this relevant question. Okay, so let's start with a, a bit of context. Those Christians with a Jewish background, the Judaizers, they try to convince the Galatian churches that Paul received his message from leaders in Jerusalem and he brought that message to Galatia but he missed out the small print because they also came from Jerusalem and they convinced the churches in Galatia that they are just as worthy of sharing the true gospel as Paul is and so they're kind of saying well don't listen to Paul listen to us. Paul's missed the small print. They thought that Paul had probably done this so that the message to the Gentiles would be more palatable. You know, Gentiles is a word for people that are not from a Jewish background. And so that's probably most people listening today, you know, including me. 
And you know, if Paul started by telling them that they needed to be circumcised to become a Christian, well, they probably wouldn't have gone along with it, you know, and who can blame them? So the Judaizers, you know, the Jewish Christians, they were now coming to tell the people, hey, this is the real gospel, which is faith plus law. And so the passages that we're about to hear is Paul's defence to those accusations, where he tells them, well, actually, my message, it wasn't from Jerusalem, but it was straight from God by his grace. So I've asked Sean, who is married to Lynn with two amazing children, to introduce himself and to read the passage to us. Over to you, Sean. Good morning, church. My name is Sean, and my family and I are new to Hope Church and new to the UK after having moved here recently. I have the privilege of reading to you out of God's Word this morning. The reading is going to be from Galatians 1 verse 9 to Galatians 2 verse 10. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man? Or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Well, thanks so much, Sean. And we'll hear the rest of the passage shortly. So, as you can see, Paul is defending himself. We, in verse 12, we heard, oh, I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but God gave me this message. In verse 13, Paul reminds them, well, here is, here is how I used to watch on as Christians were killed and stoned and I would applaud. But Paul had a radical transformation and he's keen to stress that it didn't come from the outside and he wasn't taught it. No, God met with him and changed him from the inside out. In verse 15, he says, God set me apart by his grace. He's saying it wasn't my intellect, it wasn't my doing, it wasn't my gifting, but it was all by God's grace, his undeserved free gift that I now know him. 
In verse 17, he says, I didn't go to Jerusalem to see the apostles, but instead I went to Arabia. And he's highlighting where he spent three years. It wasn't learning and bringing the message from Jerusalem. Actually, it was going to different places, sharing the news that he had received from Christ. Now, Paul is honest and he wants to be upfront because he did spend a couple of weeks in Jerusalem. And so in verse 18, he shares how after three years, he started to get acquainted with Peter and James. But that was it. And he says, you know, I'm not lying. In verse 22, he shares how he, he went to Syria, but he was actually unknown to them. And that's because those in Jerusalem hardly knew him either. So they just wouldn't have heard him about, him, about him much other than how he had changed his ways. And so Paul stresses that his message is independent of those in Jerusalem, that he comes on the authority of Jesus through the revelation that he received and that he hasn't left out the small print like the Judaizers are trying to tell them. But although he is independent, he is not unverified or unaccountable to anyone. And so his defence, he goes on and he's going to let the church know about the unity that he has with the other leaders from Jerusalem. And so Sean's going to finish the rest of our passage now. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they, were, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, and we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Thanks so much, Sean. You know, so 14 years after he had been sharing the news about Jesus, he gets verified, you know, with Peter and James and John and the others. Because he wanted to be sure that this message of grace is consistent with all that they have received from Jesus over this period of time. Remember, Paul wasn't one of Jesus' disciples like Peter, James and John were. He didn't spend three years walking around with him and, and spending time with him. But here we see that his message is consistent. So consistent that even Titus, who's been kind of training up, he's a Gentile and he's not been circumcised. He doesn't need to be because faith is about grace and grace alone. This is so important because for Paul, 
A gospel which is all about deeds and obeying the rules is really tantamount to slavery and it's no gospel at all. Paul and Titus say they didn't give in so that they could preserve the gospel and that's great because it means that we know it today. You know next week we're going to see how the pressure got to Peter and Paul had to challenge Peter about him and giving into the pressure and so the pressure is very real and it's important that we don't give in to that pressure to either add or to take away from the true message of Jesus as revealed to us through the Bible. The last bit of the passage, it shared how each of them recognised the gifts that God had given them. They recognised the calling that each had and they affirmed one another and gave the right hand of fellowship, which is like a... It's kind of like a a verbal, theological and public agreement on what the gospel is. And that is for all people from all backgrounds on the basis of faith. So Paul's going to carry on sharing this message to the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews, and they're going to, and they are going to go to the circumcised, that's the Jews, and you know what, that's what they agreed on. And 2,000 years later, we see that they did a pretty amazing job because we get to read about it here. But they're very keen to stress that whatever we do and however we share the message of the gospel, that we never forget the poor. So there you go, that's, that's the passage, that's the context in which Paul is writing. And now I kind of wanna spend the last few moments answering the question, so what? Why should I care? And how is all of this relevant? You know, Chris, have you really just given us a little bit of kind of church history? And are these passages in Galatians actually more than that? Do they speak to us today? And of course, I believe they they do. You know, it's so important for us to remember that the gospel is inside out. It's really what I've called this talk. The Judaizers, they thought that what matters most is on the outside. What you eat, what laws you obey, what marks you have on your body are all on the outside and that's what they thought counts. So they were keen to stress to new Christians or to new people that didn't know about God that in order to know him, you need to sort out the outside of your life first. And once that's happened, well, God will meet you on the inside. You know, it's so easy for Christians and churches today to do exactly the same to verbally and non-verbally communicate to people that in order to come to God, they need to sort out the outside, the external stuff. Things like their sexuality, their relationships, their parenting, their language, their deeds, their actions, the decisions they make with their bodies, the way they treat the environment, the way they vote, and on and on it, it goes. It's all outside thinking. But the gospel is inside out. Jesus puts it like this. What's the point of cleaning the outside of the cup, scrubbing people down, making them look presentable, if the inside of the cup is dirty? First, clean the inside of the cup and then the outside will become clean. The gospel is inside out. God meets you on the inside and that undoubtedly transforms the way you treat others and yourself. Paul shares that all he receives wasn't from man it wasn't learned in a classroom but God met with him God transformed him on the inside and then the outside of his life started to change you know God does the same today through the power of his Holy Spirit he meets people and 
fills them from the inside. He reveals himself to them. He makes them alive. And once he has done that, they are able to respond to the gospel. And do you know what? Stuff starts to change. The inside is always transformed first. And if you don't know God, or if you look at Christianity and you write it off because you think, well, I could never live like that. Well, I'm right with you. And the good news is that you're right and you can't live like that, but you don't have to either. What you can do is open up your heart to Jesus and invite him in. And when Jesus transforms the inside of your life, those other things on the outside, over time actually will start to change anyway. As you listen to him and obey, you'll just find yourself viewing your whole life differently. What seemed impossible before can actually become desirable as you receive God's love and you live to please him. But this outside stuff is always a response to what he's already done on the inside and not in preparation to ask him to come in in the first place. You know, if you do know God, can I just remind you that it's pointless judging the way that people live their lives around us or, or trying to change the way they do it anyway because fundamentally it will make no difference just like cleaning the outside of the cup wall. It will make no difference to their relationship with God and you can scrub them up as much as you like but unless the inside is transformed it's a complete waste of time. Instead we meet people that perhaps have a, when we meet people that perhaps have a different view on sex or language or behavior or work or attitude, let's be gracious and kind and loving and empathetic. Let's even be gracious. You know, mercy, there's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy means not giving what someone deserves. Someone who has done something wrong to you, well, they might deserve your anger or your, your silence or maybe just your distancing. Not giving that to them is actually showing them mercy. But grace means giving them what they don't deserve. It is going above and beyond. It's showing a kindness, a love, an empathy, even a forgiveness that they don't deserve. Throughout the Bible, we see God's character shine through in his grace and in stories of grace. There's one where David, he becomes king of the people of God. And as was the custom at the time, a new king would kill off all the heirs to the old king's throne so that they don't try to take it in the future. Showing mercy would be for a king not to kill the old king's descendants, but just leave them to their own devices. But David, he calls the heir to Saul's throne after he has taken it. It's a guy called Mephibosheth. You can read about it in Samuel. And rather... Um, then not just killing him and showing him mercy, David actually lavishes on him gifts and he gives him servants and food and houses and cattle and he restores his land from his ancestors to him. He gives him honour and dignity. He goes way above and beyond mercy, but he gives grace, this undeserved, unearned, unmerited, free gift, totally unexpected. And do you know what? God is exactly the same. He doesn't just show us mercy. He doesn't just take our shame away or just forgive us our sins. No, he then goes on top. He blesses us with honour and dignity and strength. He gives us a multicultural, diverse family called the church. He gives us brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, nephews, cousins, fathers, mothers. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us his word. He gives us his presence. He gives us a future and a hope. 
He goes way beyond what we could ever hope for or imagine. He gives us his grace, his undeserved, unearned, unmerited, free gift of, that his son accomplished on the cross. Do you know what? It starts by him revealing himself to you on the inside. The gospel is inside out. And Paul says, I didn't receive it from man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it from Jesus who called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son in me. You know, you might have been to a Christian school or brought up in a Christian home. You might even have been christened. But what makes you a Christian is none of those things. But God revealing himself to you on the inside and then you putting your trust in him. The gospel is inside out. And Paul goes to great lengths throughout this book of Galatians and, and throughout all his books to really emphasise that point. And that's what that whole, the whole first part of, uh, that, we've, that Sean read earlier is all about, is him defending this gospel, defending the gospel of grace that was given by Jesus Christ to him to reveal to all people that people like me and you may know it today and come to believe in him. So it's inside out. So that tells us that it does go out. It starts on the inside, unlike you know what the Judaizers for. Oh, we've got to sort out the eyes. No, it starts on the inside, but it does go out. It's not inside and stays on the inside. And so we he carried on in the second part. Sean carried on reading that after fourteen years, Paul went to Jerusalem, and when he does that, he does three things. We see unity, encouragement. And we see service. So let's just start off with unity. Throughout the start of the chapter, start of chapter two, we see the apostles, they're gathering together and they're affirming the gospel in one another. There is great unity in the message that they share. They have different callings, you know, Paul to the Gentiles and the others to the Jews, but there is great unity. You know, I love being part of a family of churches across commission and also across New Frontiers. Our unity is vital in making sure that we remain on the right track, that the gospel that we preach is correct, because we don't want to run our race here in Guildford in vain, just as Paul didn't want to run his race in vain. As we mentioned, it's so easy to veer off course or to start adding to the gospel. It's really easy to have good ideas and not stick to God's idea. Back then, it was cultural pressures from the Jews that veered them off course. And I wonder, what cultural pressures do we face that make us want to add or take away from the gospel? I'll leave that to you to ponder. But here at Hope Church, we're connected and in unity and partnership with thousands of churches across New Frontiers and hundreds of churches in commission. And we also regularly meet in what's known as local hubs here in the home counties of the UK to encourage one another. And, you know, we have close contact. We check in on our leaders and elders. We want to make sure that we're on track and we get encouragement and we get teaching from others too. You know, wasn't it great even for our church a few weeks ago to have Steve and Vinnie speak in the summer? And in a few weeks time, we'll have Mark who will be coming uh, to speak to us too. We're together in unity. 
you know, in a few weeks' time, there's a New Frontiers global conference which you can listen into and hear from some amazing speakers and just get a sense that we are part of something so much bigger than what just goes on in Guildford. Just like it was important for the Galatian churches to know they were part of something much bigger than what just went there. But you know what? They also did exist in Galatia amongst multiple churches there and we exist in Guildford amongst multiple churches here. These letters were written to all the churches and not just one and so our unity with the local churches is vital too. So I was so pleased to hear from Ian and Charlie a few weeks ago and if you missed those talks do catch up with them. You know we have different callings in the city and we will naturally attract different people because of our different flavours but be in no doubt we're on the same mission to share Jesus with everyone we meet. Our unity is vital. So we speak well of the other churches and we love them and we stand with them united by the gospel of God's grace as we share the good news of Jesus in our town. The inside out gospel, it leads to unity. Unity among the churches where we meet unity among apostolic churches that we gather with all around the world. That's what we saw in that second part. You know, we also saw encouragement. The leaders, they recognised the grace given to each um, other and they extended that right hand of fellowship. You know, we all have different callings. For some, it's to be in the eldership team, like Stuart will be in a few weeks' time as we bring him in. For some, your calling is to raise your children to know God. For some, it's to be a witness in the workplace. For, for others, it might be to run children's or youth ministries. For others, it might be to support new Christians, learning more about Jesus and growing in their faith. For others, it might be to support men and women in their faith. For others, it might be practice practical support you know I don't know from refugee support after school clubs learning English as a foreign language there's much uh, variety in God's kingdom and just as churches and leaders might have different gifts and calling so does every individual that's put their trust in Jesus and Paul says in verse 6 God shows no favoritism or no partiality the important thing was that they recognised and encouraged one another in their calling and they extended that hand of fellowship. They said, hey, we're with you, we're supporting you, we're going to encourage, encourage you. You know, God works on the inside out. And when you have been transformed on the inside, that wants to burst its way out in some way. And it comes out in unity with other Christians and other churches. And it also comes out as we are united with our brothers and sisters and we encourage one another with the good news and we stir one another on to explore the, all, that they, uh, all the freedom they have in God, how he has called them by his grace, how he's placed his hand on their lives. And sometimes that's circumstantial. You know, if you've got young children at home, that's your calling right there, there and that's great. Sometimes it's specific and people are given specific callings to, to go and do something. Sometimes those callings change over time. Either way, one is not better than the other. We all play a part in sharing what's on the inside out. So let's make sure that we're continuing to encourage one another and supporting each other as we live our lives. The last thing we saw is that when we receive the good news of Jesus on the inside, it transforms the way we view the poor. 
How Christians treat the poor or those in need speaks volumes about their understanding of grace and the free undeserved gift that God has given them. You know, the Pharisees would leave a bleeding woman or a bleeding man on the side of the road in order to not be made unclean. Yet Jesus, he touches lepers, he touches corpses, and, and he encourages his disciples to go out in the power of God and see that flow from the inside out. If anyone acts um, as if the message of the gospel is all about them, then they haven't got it. When you become a, a Christian, you become part of God's big story. Life is not all about you or your job or your family, but about so much more. God has written you into the drama of scripture that starts right back in Genesis with Abraham um, to be a blessing to all the nation. It works its way through to present day. Uh, so to give you a future and a hope and it culminates in Jesus returning to this earth to receive his bride, which is the church. It's a wonderful story which you become part of as you become part of the people of God. And when we get that, we refuse to write off anyone as undeserving of God's mercy or his grace because we recognise that we too were undeserving of God's grace. Like Paul says, it was a gift from my mother's womb. You know, when we look at others and say that they deserve God's judgment for their actions or their behaviour, we betray our own memory and understanding of ourselves. We forget actually that we also deserve God's judgment and punishment. And the only reason we will not receive it is because of God's undeserved, unearned, unmerited favour of grace. There's a guy called um, William Booth who built a massive church in London by heading into the streets and telling the poor people about the gospel. And the religious people of the day, they kind of looked on and, and kind of scoffed and were kind of saying, well, you know, when all these people come to Christ, where are you going to get leaders to lead them? Hey, okay, William, what are you going to do? And he said, do you know what? We're going to get them from the public houses because men who have felt the fire will be the best men to rescue others. You know, when we get this, we follow in Jesus' footsteps who gave up all the riches of heaven to pour out his blood for an undeserving world. And whenever we see people pouring out their lives to help those less fortunate, whenever we see people expending their energy to help others, we see the fruit of the gospel at work in their lives and their hearts. You know, I, I, just, I love Hope Works because they're, they're the people we partner with, these great organisations locally and internationally, um, to enable to help uh, people get served. You know, I love seeing people volunteer and, and helping others out. But I know that I have space in my heart and, and in my actions to do more. What about you? Paul says, only they asked us to remember the poor. The very thing that I was eager to do. And I wonder, how do you view the poor? How do you view those less well off than you? How do you treat um, those who are homeless or refugees or new to the language or maybe have poor social, emotional or mental abilities? How do you view those with physical and emotional needs? You know, the, the Judaizers, they were so self-centred that they shunned the poor as something dirty. 
and they focused on religious duties while having hearts of stone for those that were like neglected around them. So I guess a good way to check if you are getting too religious or pious and mighty is to ask, how do I feel about the poor and those well off than me? It's a good question to ask ourselves. And when you ask yourself that, it's good to ask yourself, what am I gonna do about it? What differences can I make in my life? I'm sure that we can all do something. So there you go. The gospel is an inside out gospel. God does an amazing work of transforming the inside of you. God lives in you by the power of his spirit. And when you put your trust in him, you do that. When you do that, sorry, you receive his gift of grace. All your shame and your sin is taken away from you. And in its place, you are given honour, dignity and value. God dwells in you and he transforms your inside and it affects how you view yourself and others. And when that happens, this transformation, it works its way out of you as well. It takes time, but the fruit of your life, it comes out in the unity that you have with others as you join together with Christians across the world. It comes out in how you encourage others to press into all that God has called them to. And it comes out in service to the poor as we understand that everything we have is a free gift of God's grace. And so therefore we view, interact and communicate with those less fortunate than ourselves with compassion and grace. All of us, for all of us that will look different. It will look different for you and me, but I trust God to speak to you about what that might look like in your life today and over these weeks. Let's let the power of God's grace transform us on the inside. Let's come to him, let's give our lives to him again. But let's remember that when it does that, it, uh, to allow it to take effect on, our, on the outside of our lives, in the way we encourage each other, in the way we share unity with others, and in the way that we serve those around us. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10 a.m. Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.